Welcome to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Hearth Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Carol Dazebrun. She's the Certified Master Athletic Administrator, and she's currently the Executive Director for the New Hampshire Athletic Directors Association. Carol, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here, Jake. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. Oh, absolutely. We only have the best uh, on our show. You certainly are at the top of that list. Um, well, as you know, the life of an athletic director is always busy, uh, especially in these times, so we're going to jump right in. We always like to let our guests hear uh, a little bit about uh, uh, our ADs, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, where you went to school, and maybe uh, how your love of sports got you uh, involved in teaching and coaching. Okay, I uh, grew up in Salem, New Hampshire which um, at the time was a small town on the Massachusetts border. And um, it's now one of the largest towns in our state. It should probably be a city at this point. But um, I grew up um, with a younger brother and um, I really enjoyed being active as a child. And Honestly, in the time that I grew up, there weren't all the sports leagues that are available to, um, to girls at this point. Um, and, you know, I used to go to my brother's uh, games, little league games, and uh, just wish that I could, could be a part of that. And, uh, but, you know, back, back in the early 60s, those things didn't happen. So um, I went to St. Mary's High School in uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts and um, which is now closed. It merged with Central Catholic High School. Um, St. Mary's was an all-girls school and across the street um, there was uh, uh, the all-boys high school, Central Catholic. So, um, you know, my mom was a big believer in getting involved and she said, I don't care what you do, but get involved in something. So, um, because I like sports, I tried out for um, I tried out for the basketball team, and um, I made it. So I'm not sure how that really happened, but um, but I made the team and I played on the school team for four years. We we had very limited sports at that time. We did have um, 
a volleyball club that started and we had a softball club that started. So I got involved in, in those, um, in those two clubs as well. But um, like I said, I was always active as a kid. I was always on my bike, you know, always running around crazy. So um, then I went on to uh, Plymouth State College, which is now Plymouth State University. But um, I was a physical education major and, you know, it was just my love of sports that got me involved in that. And um, at the time I graduated, it was really tough to get a job because there were a lot of people who had education degrees and wanted to be teachers. And I took a um, part-time job my first year and then it worked into a full-time job after that. And um, did a little bit of um, coaching basketball and then moved on to, um, after those two years, moved on to um, a middle school, stayed there for, uh, 10 years, did some coaching, and that's where I became um, an athletic director. Um, after that, moved on to another school for 10 years. I wasn't coaching there. I was um, a part-time teacher and an athletic director. And then my last 19 years before I retired, I was a full-time athletic uh, administrator. So, um, and then took the athletic athletic uh, executive director's position in New Hampshire the year before I retired. So I'm in my third year now in that position. Wow, what, a, what an incredible career. I want to go back to those high school days because uh, those were, you know, pre-Title IX, early Title IX. Um, as you were a student athlete during those days, was there any sense of uh, I, I guess the only word I can come up with, uh, unfairness, uh, that, you know, boys sports had all this and, and there wasn't at that time uh, the same opportunities for girls or did you all just, you know, play and, uh, and this is what it was? You know, I, I'm not sure that there was that kind of an awareness at that time, you know, maybe more so in a public school, but, um, you know, we knew what the boys were doing in their school, um, but, um, you know, and that was the social piece of it, you know, going over to watch the boys play. But, um, you know, we knew what we had in our school. So there really wasn't um, a, a feeling of that's not fair. You know, we were happy that we were able to do what we were able to do. And we traveled, you know, we had a full slate of games. So, um, but we had... Um, there was another girls high school in the, uh, in the next town and the cheerleading squad for that all boys high school was made up of my school and that other school. So the girls um, from both schools tried out for the cheering squad and they cheered for the football team at the all boys high school. So that was a, a different kind of rivalry, <laughs> if you can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, actually spent a little bit of time uh, early in my career at uh, uh, Catholic schools, know all about it. <laughs> um, in our business, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentorship. And I'm curious, who were some of your mentors uh, growing up, either, you know, teachers or coaches, or maybe even people that you worked with or worked for uh, during your career? Mm -hmm. um, I think first and foremost, I would say um, my parents, um, I learned about work ethic and I learned about excellence 
from my parents. Um, you know, they would jump in with both feet in anything that they did, whether it was, my mom was a stay-at-home mom while I was growing up, which in this day and age is quite unusual, but it wasn't when I was a kid. And, um, but I'll tell you, she, the things that she did around the house and out in the yard, she worked really hard all the time. Um, my dad was a, a building contractor and he worked like crazy. And right now, when there's times when I get stuck on something, whether it's something related to um, being an athletic administrator or just something doing around the house, my fir the first question that comes to mind is, what would dad do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I go back to his work ethic and the way he could figure things out. Um, and I, I guess I didn't realize this until later on in life, but probably my basketball coach in high school was one of my mentors. Um, she was also um, the physical education teacher at our high school. And, um, you know, she made uh, not only our practices fun and our, the whole um, team aspect fun, but our uh, physical education classes were fun too. And I think that's maybe why I, I chose the path I chose or one of the reasons why. Um, I had a principal when I was working in a middle school for 10 years who was one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. And, um, you know, he, he told it like it was, but challenged you. And when he knew that he could get more out of you, you know, he'd really make it work so that you were working to your potential, if not beyond at times. Uh, so, um, but I've had some wonderful uh, relationships with people through the NIAAA. And, you know, Fred Balsamo is a perfect example um, of someone who really got me involved in the NIAAA. And, uh, and that was back in like the mid 90s when we got together, I know that seems like, uh, you know, eons ago, but um, we got together and he asked me to be a part of the, um, it was 503 at the time. Uh, he wanted me to be part of that um, curriculum writing for that LTC class. So um, that just kind of, you know, spurred me into the NIAAA family and it's been a great ride. Let's go and talk about that a little bit. You know, uh, you know, you and I have been doing this for a while. This is my 40th year. Uh, I think you've done it maybe a, one or two years more than me. But we have a lot of young uh, ADs that listen to our podcast. And, and I don't think they realize um, the process that, you know, someone like us, you know, goes through over years to get involved locally, get involved at the state level, get involved with NIAAA. Go ahead and share your story a little bit about how you first got involved let's say at the state level, and then how that developed into uh, what you have done and continue to do with NIAAA. When I was at um, the middle school, the high school um, athletic director at the time had said to me, you know, there's this um, high school organization for athletic directors, and I'd really like you to be a part of that. And I said, well, what do I have to do? And he said, well, he said, I can get the district to pay for your membership. And he said, they do have a conference. And, you know, I was coaching at the time. So 
Um, I wasn't sure that I could make the conference, but he said, you know, there's some valuable information that we share on a regular basis with each other. And he said, I'd love for you to be able to, you know, to take advantage of that. So, um, so I did become a member of um, our state organization. And then he said, I'm going to pay your national dues. Well, at that time, I didn't know what he was talking about. So, um, so I was like, okay, if somebody's paying for it, like, why not? Right. And uh, so I really didn't take advantage of the um, NIAAA opportunities at that time, but um, I did decide that I really wanted to move on and become a high school athletic administrator. And when some jobs opened up, I applied for them. And, you know, he was a great friend in, in getting me acclimated to that. So um, when there was an opening on our um, spring conference committee, I said, you know, I'd like to help out and see what I can do. So, you know, it was little by little, you know, getting involved in different committees. And um, I was involved with our state interscholastic athletic association and served on a couple of their um, committees as well. So, you know, I knew some people in the state that I probably never would have had the opportunity to otherwise meet. And um, so getting involved in our state athletic administrators association was really beneficial because I did have the opportunity to, um, you know, to meet people in different divisions and um, do some work that would not have been something that would have come across my desk otherwise. So um, then I was a part of the executive board at the time. Our executive board was um, moving through the chairs. So you went on as an at-large member. Um, and, you know, a lot of the roles weren't as formalized as they are today. But, um, you know, and then you became the secretary, the treasurer, then the secretary, and then, you know, vice presidents and, you know, then president and president, um, past president. So, um, so I, you know, I went through all those chairs and, um, and that was very early in my career. That was in the, you know, mid nineties. So, um, you know, but at that time, um, I was, interested in the NIAAA and I think it was in 1991 when I first went to my um, uh, NIAAA conference and it was held in Orlando and um, I had um, just been through um, a, a traumatic brain injury in the spring and part of what I needed to do uh, for me was prove to myself that I can do some of the things that I used to be able to do. And so one of the goals I set for myself was to take the CAA exam. And back then, it wasn't, you know, the way it is now. Um, you know, there wasn't a manual that you could go through. There weren't LTC classes that you could take. Um, so I was sitting by the pool at the Marriott <laughs> <laughs> when everyone else is out having a good time and I'm reading IAA magazine and going through all these things um, because I was just one, you know, I was incensed on making sure that I could pass that exam. So, um, 
So I took the exam and, you know, and I waited and I waited and for some reason they had the wrong address. So, uh, you know, I finally called them and I said, like, did I not pass because I haven't heard from you? And they're like, no, didn't you get our letter? And I don't know where they sent it, but they didn't send it to me. So anyway, um, but, you know, like I said, Fred Balsamo got me involved in writing um, 503, which is now 703. And then um, I got involved with um, a lot of people in section one. They have been terrific mentors and, um, you know, wonderful friends. And they said, you should run for the board. And I was like, what are you people crazy? Like, why would I want to run for the board? And they're like, no, no, no. And, and I think sometimes, Jake, what happens is there are people who see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And... Uh, so I, I ran for the Region A at large uh, board position. And, um, you know, you have to get up and give your speech. And I gave my speech again in Orlando. I don't know, I keep ending up in Orlando. But um, um, I won the seat on the board. So, um, you know, I've been involved a little bit with the NFHS, serving on a couple of their committees and, um, you know, with the teaching of the LTC classes and becoming a state coordinator. Um, I've since given that up um, when I took over um, as executive director. But, you know, it's really important for people to become involved and um, make sure that they have go-to people and they don't go it alone. I can't hear you. Oh, I guess I oh, need to unmute sorry. myself. I'm a professional. <laughs> uh, I was saying, I, I just think that's so important. I think people need to hear that it's not uh, something that just happens overnight. It's, you know, volunteering and getting involved and, uh, you know, taking those chances that, uh, you know, really move you along in your career. Um, you've had an opportunity to uh, you know, be that teacher, be that coach, um, you know, work at middle school and high school, uh, be a school AD, and now, you know, you get a, you know, oversee athletic directors uh, throughout your state. Um, how would you say that the job of an athletic director has changed? Let's go and limit it, not to when you started, but, you know, let's just say maybe the last, uh, you know, 12 or 15 years. How has the day-to-day -day routine changed for an athletic director? You know, I, I think depending on what your role is, you know, if you're just um, in charge of athletics, you know, because we're a small state, so we do have um, some people who are um, assistant principal, athletic director, um, some teach and um, have athletic responsibilities, some are doing activities in athletics. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot more involvement now. Um, there's more involvement on um, the part of parents. There's um, more expected of each athletic administrator in each school. Um, I think it's a very misunderstood position. And I think it's really key that everybody has um, a great relationship with your admin team so they understand what the job is. 
Um, but I think we are problem solvers. And I think that there are um, admin teams who are realizing that, that, you know, if it's pouring rain out or, you know, there's some issue, um, for some reason, we have a good handle on how to fix those things. So, you know, when there's some big event coming up at school, because we plan events on a daily basis, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, one or two games and sometimes it's seven or eight games and sometimes they're not all on campus. So, um, you know, so we're juggling balls in the air all the time. And, um, you know, I, I think it's very misunderstood, but I think that um, the people who do see what you do um, do appreciate it. I know parents really appreciate seeing people, um, seeing athletic administrators out on the fields at games. It's like every time I see you, you know, you're in the same place I am and I feel like I'm all over the place all the time. And, but I really think that a lot more has been put on the plate of the athletic administrator at each school. You know, um, the job has grown tremendously from, um, you know, scheduling games and dealing with student athletes. There's so many more components now, and especially, you know, with COVID, you know, we're really concerned about the mental health of the student athlete. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more um, that we need to be aware of. I mean, if you look at the number of LTC classes that are being offered now, you know, it, it runs the gamut uh, of everything that we do. So um, I think that's just, you know, speaks volumes to how, how the job has changed. But, um, but there's more to it than it used to be. Um, and I think justifiably so, because we really need to care about these student athletes in a different way, because sometimes um, their home situation may not be um, the best situation. No, you're absolutely right. There are just so many uh, things that um, are going on today. You know, you mentioned COVID, which we're going to talk about next, but social media, mental health. Uh, just yesterday, I was uh, part of uh, the pilot course for the new mental health uh, LTI. So uh, it, it is very much a full plate. Mm -hmm. Let's go and talk about COVID. Um, you know, we've certainly seen a variety of responses from across the country and even in our own state in Florida. Um, you know, there's been different uh, ways schools have uh, responded to this. Um, what's going on right now in New Hampshire? Um, you know, here we are in late August uh, recording this. Uh, schools are probably either just starting or getting ready to come back, but what's going on with athletics in your state? Well, our state athletic association um, has moved our start date to September 8th. So football was supposed to start on August 14th. Everything else was going to start on the 17th, and they bumped everything out to September 8th. So that's the first date to practice. We do have um, summer, if you will, um, is open in New Hampshire. So, um, so coaches do work with their own athletes throughout the summer. So that was something that um, athletic administrators were really concerned about. How are we going to navigate this when we're, we don't really know what's going on? So um, 
our state athletic directors association started a task force so that we could put some some plans in place so that um, you know the the student athletes would be used to a lot of the protocols once it came time to actually start the fall sports programs so um, right now we have school boards meeting uh, more than they really want to meet because they're trying to figure out um, what is school going to look like um, is it going to be full in person is it going to be hybrid and what form of hybrid might that be um, or is it going to be full remote so um, you know every day on the news or in the newspapers you're reading about well this school is doing this and the school is doing that so um, there hasn't been any real consistency um, even in geographical areas of the state what people are doing but um, of course uh, the big sports news is um, who's in and who's out so um, I know there's a couple of critical meetings going on tonight. Uh, we're, I guess, lucky, if you will. We're, like I said, we're a small state. However, um, you know, we've had about 7,100 cases in the whole state. So, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, that's really not a lot. Um, and right now we have about 270 active cases in the state. So, you know, our numbers aren't um, crazy at this point. And we do have a number of Southern schools on the mass border, which um, that's where our greatest population in our state is. And a lot of those schools are planning to either go hybrid or remote with their learning, but a lot of them are also planning to play fall sports. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out, uh, you know, not just in individual states, but across the country. Uh, and again, Captain Obvious here, we, we've never had to deal with this before. Um, so uh, it's, uh, you know, new, new ground for all of us. And you talked about right. it earlier, you know, we're decision makers, you know, we're problem solvers. And I think that's one of the biggest frustrations for ADs is, you know, we, we don't have the answers and, you know, we think we have an answer, but, you know, the state or the district, uh, you know, does something different. So crazy right. times. Right. But people are trying to be creative too. You know, I know that in our largest division, um, they have chosen um, each week, you have this rival this week. So you play all, all your games against that rival that week. So they're trying to isolate it. Um, but they're also uh, trying to play all their rivalry games in week one to, um, to have those take place. Um, and they're also looking at doing um, some senior night activities um, in the first couple of games so that they have the opportunity to honor seniors in case things don't go well as the season progresses. Yeah, no, and we, we've seen that as well, the senior nights, the rivalry uh, night, I like that. I, I think I'm gonna, uh, you know, suggest that around our area. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> no problem. Um, another question we've been asking our guests, uh, this past spring, in addition to COVID, we saw an increased awareness in um, the awareness of social issues and, you know, how they're impacting, you know, various groups. Uh, I'm curious, in your opinion, you know, what are some things that we can do as athletic directors in this area uh, to do a better job of, of being aware of these, you know, social concerns? 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think communication is, is key in, in a lot of a lot of things, but particularly in this, it's not something that you can ignore. It needs to be discussed. And, um, you know, there's always um, teachable moments that we have in, in sports that occur. And sometimes it gets glossed over and, you know, you think, oh, I probably should have addressed it at that time. And I think that because these issues are in the forefront of the news, um, you know, the media uh, brings it up often, which, which is good. I, I think it's important that it's out there, you know, and, and people do talk about it, you know, and it might not particularly affect your, your team or your community at that time, but people need to be aware. And, um, you know, there are, are uh, different parts of the country who have different social issues than other parts of the country. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's a, a resiliency with our students that, um, you know, they, they embrace um, situations that sometimes you would think that they may not, um, whether it's, um, you know, dealing with um, some of the social injustices, dealing with um, um, some of the special needs uh, students in their classes, um, you know, a lot of times I find that they reach out and they may not have the same um, colorblindness, if you will, that, um, that some other people have. So, um, you know, I, I think our world is very different today um, in, from the lens of, of a teenager um, than it is from the lens of sometimes older adults. And, um, but I think communication is something that, that um, you, you just have to keep going. It has to be uh, discussed and it has to be done in a positive way. And you have to be willing to answer the questions, even if you say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find it out. Uh, absolutely. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, let's go and shift gears a little bit. Um, going back to your days as a, as a high school AD, what were some of your favorite uh, aspects of the job? What got you excited about going to work each day? The kids. Um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, you know, walking into um, a practice or walking, because I supervised health and physical education as well. So walk, whether it was walking into a practice or walking into a physical education or health class, and you know, you know, sometimes the kids just thought you were there for you know, some other reason and they'd wave to you and I'm like, you know, what are they doing? But, um, um, or just having the kids stop by my office. I always had snacks on my table and, uh, you know, sometimes they would come in for a snack, but then they'd sit and talk. And, um, you know, it's funny because not being in a school now, um, it's, it's the kids that I miss the most. 
but it's nice to be in the same community. I live in the same community and it's nice to be able to, you know, go into a store and it's it, sometimes it's hard to recognize people with a mask on now, but I was checking out at a store the other day and uh, this girl said, hey, Dawes, hey, how you doing? And um, I said, wait a minute, give me a second, you know, and I looked, I was trying to figure out who she was, you know, from the voice and the eyes. And, um, you know, so we had a nice conversation, but um, I, it was always the kids. It was always the kids and the relationship and, you know, whether um, I'm out for a walk along the beach and people go by and beep and wave and, or hang out a car and yell your name. Um, that, that always just makes me feel so good, you know? And I think it's those relationships with the student athletes that, um, you know, they knew when I meant business, uh, they knew what our rules were, and they knew that if they weren't going to abide by them, then there was going to be a consequence. Um, you know, and there were kids sometimes that I'd call into my office for one reason of, or another, and a lot of it had nothing to do with discipline. And they'd be like, why am I here? You know, and all pan, I'm like, why did you do something that I don't know about? You know, but uh, they were like, oh, I wouldn't want to be on sitting on this side of the table when uh, when I get called down, you know, and I'm like, don't worry about it. So. <laughs> no, I, I think the, the kids and the relationships, you know, are always one and two. And, and that's how it should be, you know, when you're in our business. Right. Well, Carol, this has just been wonderful, but we're not done yet. Uh, okay. You know, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a, a veteran AD, and now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Carol Dazeburn's athletic director toolbox? All right. The first one would be communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, that's not three. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't go it alone. Don't reinvent the wheel. Um, I, I think that um, it, it's important, and I, and I know I mentioned this a lot today, but it, it's important that you communicate, um, you know, uh, have a good relationship with your admin. Uh, so I, I would say communication is first thing. Um, the second one is probably um, make sure that you have um, a philosophy of the athletic department and make sure it aligns with your school mission. That way that you can create rules and regulations and policies um, that make sense for the whole school community. Um, and I think the third thing is probably understand the school culture and um, see what areas may need improvement. Uh, don't be afraid to work with uh, different groups or individuals to make things better because it will be a direct reflection on the school, the athletic department, um, and you as other teams come into your community to, uh, to compete.
Well, that is some outstanding advice from one of the best athletic directors in our profession. Uh, Carol Dosbrun, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jake. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I uh, hope everybody has a great day. Uh, please join us again next time on the Educational AD Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.